Dr. Jaffe, let's start with what cancers you would be dealing with. So the most common cancer that we deal with is prostate cancer. That affects one in every seven white men without a family history of prostate cancer, so it's very common. Uh, It's actually more common in breast. Uh, We actually also deal with renal cell carcinoma or kidney cancer. Uh, We also deal with bladder cancer, ureteral cancer, which is the tube that connects the kidney down to the bladder, testicular cancer, and that's it. Wow. How deadly is prostate cancer? It tends to not be a very aggressive cancer. That being said, because so many men are diagnosed each year, about 220,000, it's the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths overall. But the percentage of guys that will die from prostate cancer is typically fairly low. So is surgery the treatment, of course, or is it the treatment of last resort? No, it depends on the guy. When a male is diagnosed with prostate cancer, generally the options are, are laid out there. And, you know, the risks and benefits of those options. And it's ultimately up to the man to decide what he thinks is the best option for him. Typically, it's based on the age. So a younger, healthier male who has a long life expectancy typically leans towards a surgical option, which ultimately will give the best long-term results. Older men in their 70s who may not need the most definitive care and also may not be in the best shape surgically sometimes will lean towards a radiation therapy. What are the surgical options? The main surgical option is a radical prostatectomy, which is removing the prostate, and that's removing the entire prostate and then putting the bladder you know, back together, reconstructing things. That surgery's been around for, for quite a long time, and now there's newer variations of that to you know, make the guy's um, post-operative course uh, less eventful and you know, minimize some of the functional complications from the surgery. Okay. Now there's the rub right there. You know, we're, we're glossing over this like it's an easy fix. It's not. There's some lifelong things that men have to consider. Yeah. I mean, the surgery is life-changing. I mean, this is one of the few surgeries that I do that after the guy recovers from the actual surgery, then the recovery from the surgery truly starts. The two most common, and you don't want to call them complications, but really side effects of the surgery just because it, it happens to every guy who has the procedure is incontinence, so leakage of urine, and erectile dysfunction or inability to get an erection. Most of the guys who get the surgery, it won't be permanent, and there's different rates of permanent incontinence versus erectile dysfunction, and a lot of it has to do with the guy as well. So most of the guys by a year will stop leaking. Probably slightly more than 90% of the guys that I operate on will not leak by a year. There's things we do here, such as pelvic floor therapy, which is physical therapy for your bladder. I mean, we have an amazing program at St. Mary for that. That kind of speeds up the recovery. Um, Even guys who have had treated by other people who have come years after, we've instituted pelvic floor therapy and have helped with the leakage, which has really been phenomenal. But most of the guys won't need any other therapy beyond just the physical therapy by a year. Most will stop. A few, like, you know, probably 5 to 7% will go on to need further treatment to stop the leakage if, if they're so motivated. Erectile dysfunction is different because every guy comes into the surgery different, so it depends on their other medical problems. It depends on where they're starting. Uh, it also depends if you can do a, a nerve-sparing procedure. So the nerves are kind of what gives the energy to get the erection. If those nerves can be saved, obviously the guy has a better chance of getting an erection postoperatively at some point. But it can take, in some guys, up to 18 months to two years to fully recover after the surgeries. It is quite a a long time. Let's get into the robotics because you've really made this your life's calling. 
I did a fellowship in robotic surgery. I trained in Paris, France after I did my um, residency in, in Philadelphia. The guys in Paris kind of created this procedure and really perfected it. And I brought that back to Philadelphia in 2007. It's a robotic removal of the prostate. So instead of you know, a big incision, there are five tiny little incisions. Uh, and then postoperatively, the guys do dramatically better. There's much less pain much quicker recovery. They're back to work much faster. There is a catheter that's used after the procedure. With the open surgery, typically or historically, it would stay in three to four weeks just because the connection was never um, perfect uh, or really watertight just as the nature of the surgery. Now the catheter comes out in five to seven days. Uh, so that's dramatically better for, for the guys. And then with the robotic surgery, we've also found that the functional outcomes, the incontinence and the erections, Ultimately, long-term, are probably about the same, but the recovery appears to be faster in the guys who have gotten the robotic surgery just because the visualization is so much better. You can see so much better when you're doing the surgery. It sounds kind of impersonal, like the robot is doing everything and not the physician. You're so right. Patients think that I'm going to basically bring in like R2-D2, and then I'm going to like walk out of the room, go have some coffee and come back and my robot did the surgery for me, where it's absolutely not that. I've brought my children in to see it because they're expecting it to be a Star Wars type thing where it literally is, it, it doesn't look like a robot, but it's a machine that connects to the instruments that go inside the patient. And then that machine connects to a, essentially a computer console that has joysticks on it that I control. So I'm doing the entire surgery. I'm controlling the entire robot. So the robot has four different arms. So I have full control of everything. So I actually don't really need an assistant. I'm doing everything by myself, but I'm doing every step of the surgery through the robot. So I can see inside the body, looking in the viewfinder that is part of the computer console. And then I move my hands just like I would if my hands were inside the patient, except now my hands are eight millimeters instead of my big hands. So you save the incisions, which saves the pain. The incisions are so much tinier. Plus, because it's not your hands in there, you don't need as big a space. So it's, it's less painful because you don't need to kind of move things around as much. So instead of like, you know, my hands having to get all the way down by the prostate, I'm talking these two little instruments that are, you know, under a centimeter each and, you know, just get down and do all the work that, you know, my hands would be doing. I'm guessing that older patients are a little less comfortable with the robots. The patients who didn't come in for a specific thing and then on the back end you find something that they weren't expecting, those are the ones because they haven't really had the time to do the, the searching. And then the older generation aren't necessarily going to be on the Internet looking stuff up. So those are the ones that when I you know, drop the word robot on them, you could just tell that they're like, what are you talking about? And then when I show them the pictures, I mean, they're completely blown away. But ultimately, they come around and they understand that it's the best thing. It's really the precision that I try to explain to them is so important because the robot being so small, it's so much more precise than what I can do with my hands. Even um, the way the robot's designed, there's like a tremor filtration built into the system. So like any non-purposeful movement, any movement that you didn't really want to do, the robot filters out. So if there's anything the robot seems as wouldn't be a normal technique or normal move in the procedure, it won't even do it. It's very safe. It's much more precise and accurate than doing it with your hands. All right. I'll be the one to point it out. You're somewhat younger than me, so I'm guessing you grew up playing video games. Did this help in your robotic surgical career? 
That would help a lot. So when my wife is yelling at my children to get off the Xbox, I'm like, they're training to be robotic surgeons. It's true. I did grow up playing video games. I was definitely one of those children. And it helps a lot because it's hand-eye coordination of working with your hands and watching a screen elsewhere. And it's a technique that you, it's hard to learn late in life. So working with your hands and watching a screen is a very challenging thing. So video games absolutely do help with training. Dr. Jaffe, thanks so much for the information and explaining why robotic surgery is a great option, but not as sterile as many of us thought.